Wendy Batts here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Marty Miller, and we are getting ready to talk about the first MTP joint on today's Master Instructor Roundtable. So Marty, how are you? I'm great, Wendy. I know that this is a, like, maybe this could be the Master Instructor Roundtable of all Master Instructor Roundtables for you. I know you've got something that you're, you know, totally going to drop on us today because this is like your favorite joint in the whole body. Well, those of you that know me, I am anti-feet. I don't like them. I don't like to touch them. I don't like to work on them. However, with that being said, in my personal opinion, one of the most important joints in the body is the first MTP joint in the big toe. We're going to talk about the reasons why, because this one joint, guys, if it gets locked up and you don't have good range of motion, can truly affect what happens from the ground up in your kinetic chain. And so when we talk about this today, just know I'm super passionate about this joint, even though it requires me to touch feet and is the first thing that I do. I look at the ASIS bones when I have someone lying in a supine position. And then the next place I go to is I look at the ankles, see where they are in relation to each other. And then I go to the big toe. So those are my, that's my order before I even get started on any of my manual therapy work. Very good. I know that you love this. So I'll let you talk about the overview since you put this together. And like I said, I know you've got a very big passion for this. And there are so many different ways that we can talk about the first MTP joint. And so we are going to talk about that. But again, when you're looking at this picture right here, you can see where the red line is. And that's basically the joint that we're going to be talking about pretty much today. Uh, we're going to talk about why it's important, the role of this joint, what the proper range of motion is, how can you evaluate it? And then if someone does not have ideal range of motion, we're going to talk about ways and exercises that, that you can help, you know, you can have your clients perform or even do yourself in order to get better range throughout that joint. Love it. So first and foremost, let's talk about what is the first MTP joint. So it's the big toe, also known as helix or the big toe. It's located on the inner side and represents that first digit of the foot. Now I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about this big word, make sure I get it proper right. And when is that metotar met say I already that. metotarsal phalangeal joint is located at the base of the big toe. This is the joint that Wendy's been talking about, and it's wildly important to when you toe off, when walking, running, and even landing and jumping. And this is often the site of a bunion or arthritic change within the joint. So critical part of the foot and really important for gait and, you know, just being active and having good function of your whole lower extremity. Yeah. And think about this, the easiest way when we talk about this first MTP joint, again, most people and Marty did a great job because it's the metatarsal phalangeal joint. So it's a big word. That's why we say first MTP because nobody wants to say all that. It's kind of like when we talk about the sternocleidomastoid, we just call it the SCM because it's way easier. But if we're lacking range of motion in the first MTP, guys, and you're trying to propel forward, if you don't have that, you're going to notice that often people, they'll push off and their feet kind of slide out. And so that's how people start to get calluses on the outside of the big toe that will start to lead to that bunion look where that the, the joint starts to poke out to the side. And especially if people that wear closed toed shoes like high heels where they're you know their poor little toes are crammed into a small little toe box that can all affect this first joint as well as all the other joints in there so 
when we start talking about this, think about, well, do you fit in any of these categories and look at your own big toe? Do you have that callus? Are you pushing off kind of sideways? It's very minute. So you have to really look for it. But if you notice that you don't just walk with your feet straight and you're not bending at that joint, then you'll kind of do that slide sideways. And that also will eventually affect what's happening again at the foot and ankle, especially at the arch of that foot as well. Right. And we can get into why we want to walk barefoot or the minimal shoes, all those fun things as well. But toe spreaders, right? Toe spreaders. And, and, you know, as we move forward, we'll continue on with that. But even in certain static positions, if you're going to hold a lunge position or anything, you're still looking for that motion at the first MTP joint. Yes. So as we move forward here, when big toe range of motion is compromised, any of the following or multiple together could happen, right? So these aren't just one or the other. These could be some or all. Reduced balance in both standing and walking, for sure. You can see their change in gait, so they may limp. They could get fatigued quicker from walking or running because biomechanically they're working harder and loading tissue incorrectly, which actually can cause fatigue quicker. Definitely would not be able to have the same speed in their gait without a doubt, a shorter stride length. They may even show a difficulty in climbing stairs. And that could also be coming down a stair too. Difficulty squatting or crouching. So athletic positions or getting into your squats, or like I said, that split stance type of position, pain, which is persistent in the great toe or other joints within the foot, because you're shifting your weight to other areas. And then as you've already mentioned, Wendy, you could have some type of you know, visual um, situation like a callusing, a blistering, or any type of ulceration of the toe skin. Yes. <laughs> There's not anything else I can add to that, but it plays an essential role in standing and walking. Again, think about the propeller. That's when you bend that foot. It's what pushes you off. So the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because of my clientele. Most of my clientele, they have to perform at a really high level at higher speeds. So if they can't propulse themselves in a forward position and maximize the amount of, of push off that they have, especially think about runners coming off the blocks. Think about, you know, if somebody's doing hurdles and they have to be able to run and jump. Think about any any type of basketball player that has to stop, control their body, and then get up onto their tiptoes to shoot or when they're coming down from a layup. All of this is going to really think about um, what happens if that joint is restricted. And so when we're looking at some of these bullet points and you're really trying to think through this, if how would this affect your client? Well, what do they do every single day? So as you can see, you know, I said it plays an essential role in standing and walking the propulsion in both walking and running. This toe functions to stabilize the long arch of the foot to allow for that shock absorption. So, you know, especially when, when we talk about doing any kind of plyometric exercises in phase one, we talk about being able to um, control the landing. We're trying to, to land like on the um, reactive portion of the foot. That's really, think about it, it's behind the ball of the foot, but in front of the arch, it's a very small movement. But if we don't have good range of motion, even in the first MTP, joint, then we're probably not going to be able to, to maximize landing in that position, which is going to then cause further issues throughout the kinetic chain, especially when they're running and jumping. So when you're thinking about, well, what does that mean? If you, and we'll, we'll show pictures of this, it's really important to look at what's happening for the flexion and extension of the big toe. And we will show you in the mobility assessments too, people have a really hard time separating their toes and moving them without them all moving together. 
So what we're looking for is ideal range of toe extension to be about 70 degrees. So as you bring it back, can they get approximately 70 degrees? Or if they're going to flex it forward, approximately 45 degrees. And if we're able to do this, then we're going to have good propulsion forward. If not, that's when we start to see this, um, you know, compromise in the way that someone's moving. And you're going to see it if your foot can't go forward and push off, it starts to go sideways. Then as we know, if the feet start turning out, what ends up happening throughout the kinetic chain, it usually starts here. Yeah, and we both have um, our mentor uh, tells a story. Uh, no names need to be mentioned, but there was an elite athlete towards still in his prime who was having, I think it was right hip bursitis, but the size doesn't matter. And a team couldn't get him fixed. Another team traded for him. And this individual worked on the opposite big toe and the hip pain started to go away almost immediately because if you're shifting your weight, jumping up and down and that toe is not moving, you may create an asymmetry by shifting over to the other side of the body. So you could treat the hip, you could treat the low back, you could, yeah, there could be treatments that need to be done now because of the damage, but the robber was the big toe, which may not even be causing pain on the opposite side. So it could be something that small that, you, you know, you miss again, my hips bothering me. Well, that's why we always start with an overhead squat assessment, movement assessments, and see where things are. So what's the best way to evaluate range of motion? We're going to show you on the next slide. So the most common ways are using a goniometer. For those that have not experienced using a goniometer, you definitely want to take classes because there's a bunch of different numbers on this human protractor. It'll show you exactly where to put this, the uh, stabilizing arm, where you're putting the axis, where you're doing the measuring. And then at that point, you do get 75 or like we were just saying, you know, 45 degrees. We're able to measure that. And then if they don't hit that point, where are they in relation to optimal um, positioning? And so... We don't use those goniometers anymore, especially in the new corrective exercise textbook that was just brought out. I say just brought out. I mean, it's, I guess, been been a year or two. But now we, we talk a lot about the mobility assessments. And so we're going to show you the differences on the next couple slides of, of how you can determine where someone, you know, where you need to put the goniometer and or how you can assess the mobility of the big toe because they're really, really important. And nobody looks at the foot. Y'all look at the foot. First joint. Look at it. I'm telling you, it's, it's just the way to be. <laughs> For some of us, we still like to go in the amateur. You know, I'm an athletic trainer and I know Wendy, you and I still may make measurements. So we'll cover this real quick. So the axis of the goniometer is in the middle aspect of the first MTP joint line. The stationary arm will then is medial midline of the first metatarsal. And then your movement arm is medial line of the big toe. And you're going to go to the point of first resistance and then hopefully you see above that 45 degree mark, more towards 70. But don't be surprised if you see numbers in the 20s. Oh, uh, or even lower, which is just, it's terrible. Yes. Terrible. We still like <laughs> these people, whoever though, right? They're still good people. They just have bad toes. Yeah. Well, that's where the feet thing comes in. But uh, but that brings us to the mobility assessment. And so there are multiple ways of doing this. The easiest way is if you have you know, someone is wearing socks, you want them to remove the socks because all you want them to do is put their feet flat onto the ground. So they're in a seated position. They're not necessarily standing. They're not putting weight on there. And then all you want them to be able to do is put their feet flat and then raise their big toe up. So if my foot, I know if you guys are driving in your car and you're listening to us, you can't see it, but imagine that, you know, my hand is the foot 
can they just raise the big toe without all of these other toes moving? And it's very interesting to see how uncoordinated someone is with their feet because no one really focuses on the feet any longer. And so if they cannot do that, we're really looking more at extension than we are flexion, but you can bend it and see if you get approximately 45 degrees. But extension wise, if they can can keep the other four toes on the ground and lift their foot and it does move and you can you'll see good range of motion in people, then they pass that mobility assessment. It's that quick. It's that simple. You don't have to know measurements. You don't have to know where to put the axis and stabilizing arm or any of that. It's just can they lift that foot up? Yes or no. And if they can, however, you saw dysfunction in the overhead squat assessment then you know that it's not a range of motion issue at the MTP joint. It's actually probably a strength issue at the, at the arch of the foot. And so it's a good way for you to start to kind of check the boxes. However, if they can't do that, then they are restricted at that joint. You want to just easily just come through. I mean, I know if you don't have manual license, you can't really like move or, or distract a joint, but you can still take your toes and, and really push them back. And that's a really good way to try to try to get some some good range of motion. And you're going to see that in these upcoming slides as well. Yeah. And for those of you just joining myself, Marty Miller here with my co-host, Wendy Batts on today's Master Instructor Roundtable. We're talking all things first MTP joint, you big toe, the importance of it. So it's something that often goes overlooked and then you wonder why there's issues. So. Wendy just talked about how to measure it. There's two different ways. Now let's talk about how to increase it, especially if you're not a manual therapist. There's a static stretch for the first MTP joint. You can do that. But then certain exercises like the lunge. So if we look here, if you're able to see the slide today where you're coming in from, you'll see this individual's back foot or their left foot is doing a static stretch on that first MTP joint. Now they may only be holding that for half a second or they may actually hold an isometric there. So if you're trying to increase it, you'd want to hold that position. So lunges are great. Toe raises are great, as Wendy just talked about. Eccentric calf raises. A step up is a good way to do it. Walking with feet straight, focusing on that push off or toe motion. Bear crawls, right? Because now you got both feet in that position. Planks, body saws, all of those type of things, increasing that motion within the joint is critical. So I would put something in every day that uh, gets your clients moving that first MTP joint for sure, because rarely will people have that 70 degrees that they need. And one way to see if they're cheating is that they're going to want to, especially if they're doing a lunge, the back foot, you're going to notice that as they push off, if they don't have good range of motion to push off again, the propeller to get you up, even though you're putting all your body weight, hopefully when you're doing a lunge on that front leg, that back foot again should have that bend and you have to go into extension in order to do a correct lunge. If you don't have it, then what ends up happening oftentimes is you're going to see the heel come in. And so they have a really hard time. Like you want that foot to stay nice and straight. So if you start to see in, you know, motion, whether it's going inwards or even outwards, you want to then stop, look at what's happening at that joint because it may not be a coordination issue. It may be a lack of range of motion issue that's causing that compensation. And then you're going to go into hopefully a static type stretch. Right. No, great points, Wendy. You always want to look at see if the body's cheating, finding the path of least resistance. So, you know, this is a, is a critical, critical area of the body we need to focus on. And I know that it can go often overlooked. So this is where Wendy and I are big fans of the corrective exercise specialist. It's taking you back to more functional anatomy, getting you to understand 
you know, joint by joint. And, you know, in the CPT, we go through some things, but in the CES, we start to layer in and add more to it. So that's where, you know, when we look at uh, developing your skill set. If you haven't taken the corrective exercise specialist yet, I would highly recommend it because not only do we go through the first MTP joint, you're going to see other parts of the body that now that you've got a really good understanding of how the body works, we'll add some extras in there. So, you know, shameless plug for the CES, Wendy. Well, you know what, though, that's one of the things where I felt like I learned a lot, especially about these little joints that we don't often talk about in the CPT. I mean, they are mentioned, it is extremely important, but if, if someone is lacking and they have good range of motion at the ankle and you can't figure out what's going on, then go up the foot. And the reason why we did this master instructor roundtable specifically on the first MTP is because multiple times throughout podcasts that we've done in the past, I talk about the importance of the big toe. Like I love the big toe. Like we've got to have good range of motion of the big toe. And I actually had an email. So thank you guys for reaching out to me saying, what is it with the toe? What, what is what is your thing? And I don't like feet. So it's not that I have this foot fetish. It's like, no, it plays an important role. And as Marty just said, if you don't have it, then guys stretch it. If you need to then think about strengthening it. That's why we do the balance. And we want to challenge every joint throughout the foot. But if someone really is struggling with their feet and you do notice that they're they're not able, they're starting to get a bunion or their feet are starting to turn inward or their toes are turning in a different position, they're not straight. I strongly suggest looking into a toe spreaders. Mm -hmm. I never really thought that was a big deal until I didn't got my own. And then I saw a significant change in just how my feet felt. Like I didn't have funky feet or anything. However, I felt like, you know what? I was more stable. I was more planted on the ground. I was more, I did more earthing, if you will, which is another podcast on random fit that I've done. But, but it's really important to have the ability to spread your toes, spread your fingers. We always talk about sometimes our digits. We don't spend enough time with them. But that's why it's been termed one of the most important joints of the body. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this. So, Marty, thanks for letting me talk about the toe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will always allow you to go into those, you know, certain parts that you just uh, really have a focus on. But uh, I also think that doing barefoot training when appropriate, because, again, don't forget the, the issue with the big toe is not in isolation. It's because you're not getting your body, your foot to communicate with the rest of your body. So if you have a big toe issue, you probably have got other things in your foot. So doing single leg balances, single leg exercises, understanding how to get your foot in a neutral position and activate all those muscles. I have a wobble board here that, you know, I try to spend, you know, a couple of times per week because my gym doesn't have one doing martial arts where you're barefoot now doing yoga where I'm barefoot don't forget the importance. And when you get in the house, take your shoes off, not only from the cleanliest standpoint of your house, tell your guests that you're actually doing it. If you're a little wigged about people wearing shoes in your house, you're doing it to help their feet. But basically we spend far too much time in shoes. And then we wonder why we end up with these issues. So Wendy, great topic today. Yes. And you can always train in your toe spreaders as well, as long as your gym will allow you to be without shoes. So we, we people do that in our gym all the time because we do allow that. So just another another thought. But if you guys have any questions, you can always find me um, via email at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can send me a message on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And my information's right here, dr.martymiller72 for Instagram, and then email marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, I really do appreciate you putting this together because it is a critical topic. It is something that go, gets often overlooked. 
And I hope everybody got some key takeaways and they're going to look at it a little bit differently uh, moving forward. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we absolutely look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable. 